you know, it's funny. Many people have told me, uh, obviously, Jacob, your life is going to change when you have a baby. Uh, and, uh, and it's like, yeah, of course, I know my life's going to change. Uh, now I get what you're telling me, right? Uh, more than I could have imagined. It's like my world flipped upside down. Uh, but again, it's, it's worth it, right? It's a joy to have a newborn in the house. But, uh, you know, more than anything, my mind has been filled with what ifs, right? You know, having a newborn, a new baby, the possibilities are endless, right? Her life is a blank slate. And, and so again, those what ifs start rolling in. But you know, what ifs can be a little scary sometimes, right? What if I drop her, right? Um, that is a real fear, right? Okay, what if, what if she gets sick, right? What if I'm not able to take care of her? What if I can't protect her from, from the chaos and, and evil in the world around us? What if she doesn't want to follow God? Again, what if? Yeah, and I think you, you can uh, call me a pessimist, but, but these are real fears, are they not? And, and, and I think we've all got some type of what ifs. Right? We've all got the what-ifs in our lives, the, the fears in our lives that can hold us back from following God. Right? What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not smart enough? What if I never find someone to marry? What if I let my family down? What if I let God down? Right? What if? What if? What if? Brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you this morning, fear says what if, but faith says even if. All right? Fear says what if, but faith says even if. Let's turn over to Daniel chapter 3. Again, the title of our lesson this morning, Faith That Says Even If. And we're going to be here in Daniel chapter 3, diving into the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I think life hands us these moments when we've got to make that decision. Am I going to be filled with fear or am I going to be filled with faith? And I think this moment here in Daniel chapter 3 is one such as that. Daniel chapter 3 verse 1 says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, uh, let's stop here for a minute, because I want, I want you to, to know, I want to explain to you how much gold this really is, right? How big this statue is. 60 cubits tall, right, by 6 cubits wide. Uh, that, that comes out to about 90 feet tall by 9 feet wide, right? This is an enormous statue, and again, all covered in gold, so how big is 90 feet, you might ask? How many of you guys have a shed in your backyard? You know, like one of those little metal sheds? Okay, a few of us. Uh, you know, a, a, a metal shed, it's probably about 8 by 10, right? Uh, so imagine it's, it's 9 by 9. You guys don't know the difference anyway. So about 9 by 9, right? Uh, so again, imagine this metal shed. Now imagine 10 of them stacked on top of each other, 
right? That gives you roughly the idea of how big this statue was. I don't suggest that you have uh, tin sheds stacked on top of each other in your backyard, though. Um, But that is a lot of gold, right? And and so the king comes. uh, He's got this enormous gold statue built. And then he makes the following decree. Verse 5, he says, As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace, right? Okay, so when the music plays, everyone's called to bow down and worship this gold statue, right? It's, uh, it's like the modern equivalent of uh, being in the club and the music plays and everybody wants to be ungodly, right? You guys with me? Uh, it, it, it's like the beat drops and, and all of a sudden people just lose their religion. Um, some of you are laughing because you know what the club is like and shame on you. Um, that, is not our, uh, that is not our sermon this morning. Um, I'm just making a guess at what it's like. I'm not saying, oh, uh, here we go, here we go. But <laughs> before we... Before we, uh, you know, dive into this story, let me introduce you to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? So these were three boys, really teenagers, that that came, uh, Hebrew boys that came from their homeland in Israel. And they're taken to Babylon, a, a dark, secular, godless world. Right, Babylon was without a doubt one of the most God-forsaken lands in, in, in all the history of the world. And, and I think if uh, you, you went to downtown Dallas and were a little fearful for your life, imagine that times 10, right? Uh, again, Babylon, downtown Babylon, not a good place to be. And uh, they were taken for the homeland and enslaved as the king's servants. And, and again, it's safe to say their lives are not going the way they planned, right? However, they didn't allow their circumstances to water down their convictions, right? They're taking their their servants, their slaves there in the king's house, and they made a stand that they would not defile themselves with food from the king's table. So along with Daniel, they they go under 10 days of testing, right? Ten days where they're only eating fruits and vegetables. And and so after those ten days, they noticed that these men were healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men that were there. And so they rose through the ranks, right? They became leaders uh, there in Babylon. And and God gave them great knowledge and understanding. Uh, It says uh, that, that King Nebuchadnezzar found them Ten times better than any of the other wise men in Babylon, right? So these were impressive young men. And and again, God was blessing them to to rise up in power where they were. And and so things are looking better, right? Stripped from your homeland, put in a terrible situation, but hey, they're surviving. They're making it work. Things are looking better for, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, But then a golden image 
is built. First point this morning, even if everyone else bows down, right? Even if everyone else is bowing down. Daniel chapter 3, verse 7 says, Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and all the peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Okay, who bowed down? It says all nations and all peoples from every language, everybody is bowing down to worship this image, this idol. Uh, Imagine how awkward that must have been for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Right? Everybody else is bowing down, but but they're just standing there. Uh, Imagine how uncomfortable that must have been, standing alone. Uh, imagine the, the boldness and the faith it would take to, to stand there. You know, when I was in uh, eighth grade, uh, I remember eighth grade, uh, I believe it was algebra class. It was my math class in eighth grade. Uh, I, uh, I fell asleep in class. Um, yep, fell asleep in class. My dad doesn't know this, so dad have some grace on me. Um, but uh, but fell, as, fell asleep in algebra class, right? And and uh, I'm, I'm there, I'm asleep. And when I wake up, I notice everybody else in the classroom is clapping, right? Everybody's clapping. So I wake up and I start clapping, right? <laughs> Uh, only to notice everybody's looking right at me. And uh, I, I didn't really feel good with the teacher after that. But, uh, but obviously, right, they, they, they were trying to pull this prank against me. And uh, you know, it's in our nature to just go along with the crowd, isn't it? Uh, to go along with the crowd. Hey, whatever everybody else is doing, I'm not sure why we're clapping, but I'm just going to clap, right? Um, you ever been, like, at, at, you know, at a, uh, a speech or a lesson or, or something like that, and uh, the, the speaker says, you know, raise your hand if you something, and you notice, like, everybody's raising your hands, but you weren't really paying attention, so your hand starts to go up. You guys with me? Oh, no, you guys are like, oh, no, I've never done that, uh, right? Uh, again, it's in our nature, like, hey, go along with the crowd. You know, think about the, uh, the clothing you wore growing up, uh, that you would get made fun of for wearing now, right? These are, uh, these are Jinko jeans, right? I told the campus a couple months ago, I used, it, it, when I was younger, Jinko jeans were what is up, right? Um, it was all about the Jinko jeans, and uh, everybody at school was wearing them. Um, you guys are laughing. I'm bringing them back, man. I'm <laughs> bringing the Jinko jeans back. Um, but, uh, right, everybody else is wearing them. So I tell mom and dad, mom, I need some Jinko jeans. Obviously, looking back, uh, not the, uh, the greatest fashion choice I've ever made in my life. But, uh, but again, that's our nature, right? Go along with the crowd. You know, godliness isn't determined 
by how many people agree, but how much God does. Let me say that again. Godliness isn't about, isn't determined by how many people agree, but how much God does. So, so even if everyone else is giving in, will you have the faith to stand with conviction? A verse you know well is in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You guys have heard this verse before, right? Do not conform. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. So what is it? What are the things you're conforming to? Right? Is it, is it the things you watch, the things you listen to? Just kind of conforming to, to whatever everybody else in the world is, is watching and listening to. Right? You, you go to work and all, all, all your coworkers are talking about this TV show. Uh, and you know Jesus probably wouldn't watch this TV show. But, but hey, everybody else is watching it. Uh, you, you know, maybe teens, maybe, hey, everybody at school is listening to this album uh, but it, it's not an album that you really think God would approve of. Um, you guys with me? How about, how about the way you spend your money? Right? Are you spending your money, or are you setting up your finances the way the world does? Uh, it, are you conforming to that pattern? Right? Spending money you don't have, buying a new car just because. Um, you guys with me? Uh, I, I, I think we can, again, we can get so caught up in the ways of this world, the materialism, the greed that surrounds us. Will you say even if? Even if everyone else is spending their money this way or listening to that or watching, even if, I'm going to do what's right. How about when it comes to your political views? Right? Even if everyone else is getting upset and, and posting, you know, their, their rage on Facebook, right? Even if everyone else is getting worked up and, and, and getting angry, hey, I, I'm going to choose to just put God first, right? Uh, I'm going to choose to, hey, keep, keep my cool, right? Even if, even if everyone else around me, uh, it, even if I feel like, well, I, my opinion needs to be heard, right? You know, think about it for a moment. There were probably other Jews uh, that were brought to Babylon that were there bowing down, right? Uh, there, there were surely other people that, that had come with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, to, to Babylon, and, and they were there bowing down. However, these men, again, they decided, even if the other Jews give in, we're not going to compromise on our convictions. Let me ask you, will you have unshakable faith, even if other Christians settle for less? Right? Even if other Christians, your brothers and sisters, hey, even the, 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 your mentoring group that you're a part of, hey, even if other Christians settle for less, will you stand up and still have strong convictions? I like this uh, quote. It's a uh, research that was done. It says, in a national survey, 
only two out of every ten Christians said they would be willing to suffer for their faith. Only two out of ten. Are you going to be the two or are you going to be the other eight? Will you say even if, right? Even if other Christians are, are, are watering down their faith, uh, I'm going to stand up for what's right. So, so what is your standard for righteousness? In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it's the uh, New Living Translation. It says, oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. It says they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. It says how ignorant. Uh, you guys don't do that, do you? Right? Comparing yourselves to other Christians. Right? Comparing yourselves to, to one another, even in the body of Christ. Um, it says, hey, you're, you're taking a gamble there. Right? You, you, that's a little dangerous just, just to, well, not only dangerous, he says, hey, it's ignorant, right? To compare ourselves to one another. Do you base your decisions on what God expects or, or how other Christians live their lives? You know, another thing I was thinking about, I wonder if Shadrach's family was there in Babylon. Right? I wonder if anyone in his family was there bowing down to this image. Do you think they would have said something to him? Right? Hey, Shadrach, just... Just bow down, man. It, it doesn't mean anything. Right? Hey, Shadrach, you, you're going to get in trouble, man. Just bow down. What about Abednego? You think any of his buddies, right, the guys he grew up with, that they were there bowing down as well? You know, I wonder what they said to him. Hey, don't be a hero, Bedgo. Don't be a hero, man. J just go along with it. Right? It's not that big of a deal. So will you have the faith to stand, even if those closest to you are bowing down? Right? Again, you're talking about your, your family, right? Your, your closest friends, the, the people that, that are around you. It, it may be easy to stand against the world, but it's much more difficult to stand against someone you're close to. So who are you going to for advice? You know, we've got to have people in our lives that are, that are going to give us a godly perspective. Right? We've got to have people in our lives that, that are going to point us to God's word in the decisions we make. And I think sentimentality can blind us to who is really a Christian and who is not. Right? Sentimentality can blind us to, to who's really a Christian and who is not. You guys with me on that? I, I, I think sometimes we, we've got these close relationships in our lives that, that really they're not pointing us towards God. Um, sure, maybe they're not pulling us uh, the, the total opposite direction, but are they making you make compromises? Does your faith say even if, right? Even if my spouse wants me to skip church uh, to go to the Cowboys game, right? E e even if, right, even if my parents say I'm too committed, 
Even if my boss needs me to work late, even if my friends are offended by my convictions, I I will not bow down. I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to compromise, even if. I got another question. Who is your crew? Huh? Who is your crew? You know, you remember in high school being with uh, different, uh, you know, in high school you got all these different kind of cliques, right? Uh, you got the, the jocks, the nerds, the band kids. You guys know what I'm talking about? Um, right? All, all the different cliques in, in high school. And uh, you, you got all these cliques, and then you got the, the popular kids, right? And everybody wants to be, uh, everybody pretends like they don't want to be one of the popular kids, but really they want to uh, be part of that group. But, you know, deciding which group you want to be a part of matters, right? Who you click with matters because who you click with typically dictates who you are, right? Who you connect with, it it has an influence on who you are. Many of you guys know I've got a uh, a twin brother named Jason, right? And, And growing up, uh, you know, I don't know if we were a clique, but, but everywhere we went, we, we were known not as Jacob, not as Jason. We were known as the Bartlow boys, right? We were the Bartlow boys. That's it. J and J. Um, you, you can't have one without the other, right? It's thunder and lightning. You got to have them both. You guys with me? And, and so again, growing up, we were the Bartlow boys. And, uh, you know, I learned to embrace that. At first, I'm like, ah, I want my own identity. But hey, I learned to embrace that. You know what's interesting? Every time these three men are mentioned, they're always mentioned together. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, they're always mentioned together. They, they, they were united and committed to one another. You don't hear about them individually. And they're never, again, they're never mentioned alone. So my question again this morning is, who is your crew? Your faith is stronger when you have someone to stand with you, right? Not bowing down is a lot easier if you've got someone else standing beside you. And and brothers and sisters, if you want to burn bright, you got to stand with others. Now, if you want to burn out, you can stand alone right? You, you want to burn bright, hey, you got to stand with someone else, right? You, you got to st- have someone that's going to be by your side. I, if Shadrach was alone, he may have bowed down, right? I, I, if, if Shadrach wasn't with Meshach, Meshach may have given in, right? But all three of these guys together, they, they had the strength to stand against the king. You know, at a, about a month ago, Mark talked about David and Jonathan, right? Soul brothers, David and Jonathan, and and, and having that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Again, who is that for you? Have you gone after those relationships in the last month? Even if everyone else is bowing down, who will stand beside you and say, even if, right? Hey, even if everyone else is doing what's wrong, that, that guy that's going to stand beside you and say, hey, I'm with you, heart and soul. Some of us have the pride to think we can stand on our own. Right? Some of us have the pride to think, hey, I don't need advice. Right? 
I can, I can fly it solo. Who is your crew? Who are you going to have, who's going to have your back? Who are you going to take with you? You guys still with me this morning? Point number two, even if your will isn't God's will. Even if your will isn't God's will. Again, here in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I like how they, your majesty, right? They throw it in there. They're still trying to be polite. It's like, hey, I'm going to stand for what's right, but I'm not going to be disrespectful. Verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Right? Did you catch it there? Even if. Right? Even if. God doesn't save us from the furnace. We will not bow down. Right? These, these three men, they say, hey, either way, either way, I'm going to do what's right. Uh, either way, I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to give in. I, I'm going to put my faith in the God that saves. Now, I want to get something straight here. Uh, there was absolutely no doubt in these guys' minds. Right? They say even if. I think sometimes we can, we can think, oh, they're, you know, okay, even if, like they're doubting God. There, there's no question about it. These guys are, are not doubting. In fact, it's the opposite. You know, first they say with confidence, God is able to save us. They know without a doubt that their God is powerful, right? They're, hey, I know my God can save me. I think too many of us are in a place of doubt about what God can do in our lives. Right? Some of us have been enslaved to sin so long, we don't believe God can deliver us from it. You know, secondly, they take it a step further. They say, not only can God save us, but they said, God will save us. Right? So not only is God able, he's also willing. Right? God will save us. Again, I think maybe some of us are filled with doubt. On the other hand, some of us need to start proclaiming with confidence what God will do in our lives. And, and, and we need to start being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You know, brothers and sisters, if you want to have that faith to face the furnace... Again, you got to know what God can do and proclaim what God will do. You got to know what God can do and start proclaiming what God will do. I like this quote. It says, you only really discover the strength of your spine when your back is against the wall. <laughs> you only really discover the strength of your spine when your back is against the wall. You know, these three men, they show us that in life's most difficult moments, 
you find out who you really are. Right? Life's most difficult moments when the pressure is on, the strength of your faith is revealed. <clears throat> the odds of uh, rolling a perfect score of 300 in a game of bowling. You guys bowl? The odds of rolling a perfect score uh, are about 225,000 to 1. 225,000 to 1. I had to make sure I had that right. Uh, 225,000 to 1. So apparently, one man collapsed when he qualified to join that 300 club, right? He was overwhelmed with joy uh, in reaching such an accomplishment. Another bowler, however, couldn't bring himself to play the final ball of an otherwise perfect game, right? The pressure was too much to bear. Instead, he packed his shoes, packed his ball, and walked out, right? Never to set foot in a bowling alley again. <laughs> right? Too much pressure. So what about you? How do you react under pressure? Right? When it seems like God isn't listening. When it seems like his will for your life isn't your own. When life tries to, to squeeze you, what's going to come out? Will you have unshakable faith even if? Right? Even if you're not doing well financially. Right? Even if you're, you're having issues with your health. Even if you just lost your job. E even if nobody understands the depression you're facing. Right? Even if, even if, even if. Right? Even if God's will for your life isn't your will for your life. Another quote, it says, a diamond is a chunk of coal that did really well under pressure, right? Again, how are you doing under pressure, right? What will you become from the pressure you're put through? How will you react when God doesn't act like you want him to act, right? How will you react when, when God doesn't do what you want him to do? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, again, they make their stand. They make their stand, and how does the king respond, right? It says he turns the furnace up seven times hotter, right? Again, God, hey, I'm making a stand, God, and it's turned up seven times hotter, right? Isn't that the way life goes sometimes, right? We decide, we make that decision to really grow in our relationship with God, but, but Satan turns the temptation up seven times hotter. Um, I'm excited. We're, uh, we're having a baptism in the campus ministry today. Uh, where's Michael? Michael, stand up, man. I'm putting Michael on the spot. Michael's, uh, amen. You know, Michael's going to get baptized this afternoon. But, uh, but again, you, you got to watch out, Michael, because, because Satan... <laughs> Satan's going to turn the temptation on, man. 
um, right? You, you make that decision to make him Lord, um, Satan's not going to be happy with it. You know, when you decide to take a stand in your purity, don't be surprised if, if that guy or that girl calls you up. Right? If you decide to, to make your relationship with God a priority, um, don't be surprised when, when your boss calls asking you to work overtime, right? Uh, d- don't be surprised if, if those distractions start popping up. When the pressure is on, the, the furnace is pumped up, it doesn't seem like things are going your way. Will you have the faith that says, even if? So obviously, again, the, the, the furnace is pumped up. King Nebuchadnezzar throws these guys in the furnace. But, but what happens next? Verse 24. Verse 24, it says, then, <clears throat> then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the furnace? They, they replied, certainly, your majesty. Verse 25, he said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. It says, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. You know, it's amazing. I, I, I like this. The, these men had the faith to keep walking even though they were going through the fire. Right? The, these guys, they were walking around in the fire. When the pressure hits, and again, life gets hard, will you keep on walking? Right? Sometimes the, 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 the trials, the, the life's worries, they, I, hey, I don't want to give up, but let me just sit here for a while. Right? Will you keep on walking? Will you keep on walking even though it's hard? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego w- would not be brought to their knees. Um, not when they were standing before the king, and not even when they were in the middle of the fire. Will you keep on walking through life and, and say, I will not give up, uh, I'm not going to bow down? You know, as we come to a close here, I, uh, I want to read you guys a story. And uh, since it's uh, football season, right, I got to throw a little football. I know some of you guys are like checking your watch. I don't even know what time it is. I don't have a watch on, but I know you're like getting ready to go watch the, the Cowboys play. Um, but, uh, but I want to read you a football story as we close out, and it's about the, uh, the Texas A&M Aggies. I knew, see, I knew it was like some, somebody was going to throw something out there. I'm not sure if you guys know who this is, but it says, on January 2nd, 1922, the heavily outgunned Aggies were facing the top-ranked Central College Colonels. They were top ranked at that time. I'm not sure who the Central College Colonels are. But it says they were facing the top ranked Central College Colonels in the Dixie Classic here in Dallas. It says an Aggie by the name of King Gill, a squad player for the Texas A&M football team, was up in the press box helping reporters identify the players down on the field. The Aggies found themselves plagued by injuries, and the reserves were dwindling with every play. As A&M coach Dana Bible looked across the emptying bench, he suddenly remembered Gill's presence up in the stands. 
Coach Bible waved Gil down to the sideline and told him to suit up. Gil ran under the bleachers and put on the uniform of the injured running back, who had been knocked out of the game in the first quarter. Gil returned to the sideline, where he stood ready to play for the entirety of the game. When the last play was run, the Aggies found that they had pulled off one of the greatest upsets in college football history, winning the game 22-14. to 14. It says Gill remained standing, the only player left on the team's bench. Gill's willingness to serve his team in 1922 has ba- passed down from generation to generation of Aggies for more than nine decades. As Texas A&M students continually stand together during the f- entire football game and basketball game, a symbol of the 12th man on the team. It says the power of the 12th man is echoed in unity, the loyalty and the willingness of Aggies to serve when called to do so, and is the reason that Texas A&M has earned the name the home of the 12th man. So this is a, a picture of Gill here, or a, a statue rather, there at A&M. And, and again, any Aggie will tell you that the power and tradition of the 12th man runs deep. Right? There's nothing like that reliability of having a 12th man. The, the crowd that's willing to, to stand throughout the game to, to make noise, to go crazy. But, you know, as Christians, we may not have a 12th man, uh, but we do have a 4th man, right? We do have a 4th man, a 4th man who is more powerful than all 12 combined, a 4th man that's willing to walk through the fire with you, a 4th man that was tempted in every way just as we are, but he did not sin. A fourth man that surrendered his will for God's will by becoming obedient to death on the cross. And as we leave here today, I call you to have the faith that says, even if. Right? Even if my will isn't God's will, even if everyone else is bowing down, I'm going to glorify God with my life. Amen?